Welcome to Big SEC Guys. I'm your host, Daniel Poppy Southers, and this is my co-host, Tucker, the damn good dog, Compton. We are the Big SEC Guys. They're the Big SEC Guys. Tuck, week five of the SEC, and we had ourselves a full SEC slate of football. How you feeling, Papa? Well, man, we got we got a little bit of delay of the land. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I, like I think it. there was a lot of kind of unknown teams going into this week, and we didn't even do our rankings last week because we thought there, it was kind of a waste of a ranking week because we, we didn't know about some of these teams. And I, I think now – we have a much better understanding of where everyone falls in line as far as uh, who's better than who and, and who's maybe not as good as we thought they were as well. And so, I, you know, it was an exciting slate of games. I think we had some upsets. I, I, when talking about last week, I was talking about how Vegas was persuading my view oh, of yeah. these games. And oh, yeah. Damn, should we have listened to him the whole time? I, I listened to him on most of them, but you were right about all this, you know. I, I was right about all this. I, I I was right about Tennessee. Um, that I thought that line was kind of quirky, but then I really dove into the matchups and felt good about that. I was wrong about my dogs. Maybe I should have listened to Vegas a little bit more yeah. there. Um, but and then we were both right about Alabama. Um and and boy, were we wrong about Arkansas and A and I can't wait to talk about that game. You nailed it, listener. If you're wondering, uh, I gave us a four team parlay, positive money uh, that I recommended. It hit, folks. So it's happening. I'm white hot. Uh, Georgia to win straight up, check. Alabama to win straight up, check. Southern Cal over Deion Sanders, Colorado, check. And then Notre Dame over Duke, check. And if you're wondering, uh, three of those four games easily could not have hit. So never a doubt. <laughs> never a doubt. Never, uh, easy. Always easy money. Never in doubt. Yeah, did so Notre Dame easy score with about 10 it. seconds left to win? Sure. Never a doubt. So. Yeah, Notre Dame, what, needed Sam Hartman to go for a fourth and 23-yard run to to Love it. to win that game and take it for us. I mean, think that really helped our betting lines this week, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gives us some good lines. I like it. Well, Tuck, let's run through the games real quick. We'll uh, we'll give you some reactions, what we what we learned. And then uh, let's let's talk studs and duds and let's finish it with a little power rankings. You mentioned it. My power rankings this week. Talk about jumbled. I feel like I'm in New Orleans getting some jambalaya because they are all over the place. So I'm excited, excited to talk about them. It's a, a there's a jumbled mess down there in the middle of the SEC that Man. I feel like anyone can really beat anyone. So I, I'm excited to talk about where we think they are now and, and and find out where they end up at the end of the season. Yeah, I'm with you. I I see the SEC right now as like a a real weird like tier system. You've got like the tier one that's for me is just UGA, and then you've got like a tier two that could be like five different teams, and then you've got this like third tier of like six teams I think are, are pretty bad and I don't really yeah. know how to stack them up against each other. So that'll be fun to see more. where we, that'll be fun to see where it all, where all the pieces to the fu- puzzle fall into place. 
Let's do it. Let's start with your precious Georgia Bulldogs. They just keep winning. I think it's 20-something in a row. Um, never God, a doubt. That question mark, 22, Doug? 23. Um, I should probably know that by now because I feel like it, it keeps popping up every time I watch a game. Yeah. But never, um, never a doubt with Georgia? Or was there a little bit of doubt? Shout out uh, listener McLean Caldwell. We were over at his house watching the game. And there, I, I feel like there was some doubt. Doug. Go ahead. No, I mean, David texted me. David Big Orange Terea about midway through the third quarter and he goes, What's your what, what's your scare meter right now? And I was like, Ah, 70%. Um, so oh, wow. like there was fear there for sure. It was just one of those games that we felt like nothing could go right. And you know, we've gone to Auburn before and, and seen them step up and play better than we expect them to play. And that's kind of what happened. I'll start with the bad here. The bad, I think, in all honesty, is not something I expected to be bad, but it, our defense, especially our red zone defense. And I don't know what the deal is with these Bulldogs. You know, but I do think there's a case of everyone just comparing them to the past two seasons. And, and you know, 2021, I think Georgia had possibly the best defense of all time. Sure. 2022, there was a slight step back on the defensive side, but I mean, they were still a top three defense in the country. Um, and, and our offense was better last year. So they, they stepped up and, and covered, but there's this lack of hunger that I'm, I'm, I'm just not getting from this Georgia defense. It, it used to be if the Georgia offense messes up, we're seeing the defense get big and, and especially in the red zone, I'm so used to seeing them step up and make plays and, and, and really stop these teams from scoring at least touchdowns. You know, I yeah. get oh, it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, they only scored 20 points. They only threw the ball for what, like 80 yards or something like that. And their two touchdowns were on short field drives that we turned the ball over and gave it to them. Uh, yeah. I think one was a 48 yard and one was like a 33 yard drive, but the Georgia defenses of old have bailed the offense out in those situations. Uh, you see them get an extra ounce of energy when something like that happens. And I feel like right now we're seeing a Georgia defense that in the face of adversity, they, they somewhat fold. Um, and I, I, that scares me moving forward because at the end of the day, our offense isn't going to be perfect. We still have a young you know, new quarterback. We're we're working through a lot of injuries and all this stuff. And what we need to be solid is our defense and especially our edge rushers and edge defenders. I mean, I felt like they were running it outside the numbers on us over and over and over again. And Auburn averaged over five yards of rush against us. And that's just something you don't really see happen to a Georgia defense, especially against a team that you know cannot throw the ball. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they, oh, yeah. I mean Peyton Thorne cannot throw the ball, but the guy ran for 92 yards against us. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's the bad. That That's what scares me moving forward because a lot of these offensives and offenses in the SEC, they've got good rushing attacks. So what we're not seeing much of in the SEC right now is high-octane passing attacks. Um so that 
that is just a huge fear for me as a Georgia fan moving forward. Our defense has to step up. They've got to play better. Kirby's got to stick a boot in their ass or something to get yeah. them moving. Um, and our edge defenders just look slow sometimes. I, I mean, they're collapsing on plays. They shouldn't collapse on. They ran the same play like three times against us and every time at work. Um, it's just something It's just uncharacteristic of Georgia. I will say on the positive side of things, Carson Beck, though wasn't perfect in this game, he made big-time throws in big-time moments. Yeah. And that, oh, yeah. He was clutch. He was clutch. Um, his third down statistics are wild this year. I think he's thrown for like 78% um, and converting on, on a majority of his, his third down conversions. He's, you know, came down uh, multiple times so far this year. He's had to come back from behind and, and put balls in, in the right player's hands. It, this game happened to be Brock Bowers and, I feel like I almost don't even need to talk about Brock Bowers because as a Georgia fan, I, I've seen so this bad. over and over and over again. Um, but I do feel like the country might have just kind of gotten a whiff of Brock Bowers for the first time. They they maybe thought he was a little overrated or something until this game because I'm seeing more press on him this week than anybody else. Oh, yeah. We've gotten uh, – listener Tuck and I have received a few texts uh, – asking us to stump for the Brock Bowers Heisman campaign. And let me tell you, those uh, those final two possessions for Georgia, he was literally unstoppable. I mean, we all, know, we, all, we all know Brock Bowers is pound for pound one of the best players in college football. The reason he won't win the Heisman for our listeners is a, a, just a severe lack of touches. Nobody who gets less than 10 touches a game is going to win the Heisman. Uh, and he just doesn't get the touches. But that, there, there's no doubt in my mind Brock Bowers is one of the best players in college football. I mean, I, I hold him in the same regard as uh, Caleb Williams, as a Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, this is just a really, really good football player. And this is a guy, Tuck, I think is going to be a top NFL tight end within two to three years. Yeah, I mean, I, there's no reason he doesn't come right out of the gate and, and just tear up the NFL, in my no. mind. I mean, he came right out of the gate as a freshman and tore up college football, SEC football. So I don't see why he won't do the same thing in the NFL. I'm going I'm to give him a one-year grace period in the NFL, and I think 2025, he's basically Travis Kelsey. That's yeah. the, like that's, that's, that's the comp for me. That's what I view him as. He's big, he's fast, he catches everything. He breaks tackles like a running back. I mean, he he has got it all. He almost yeah. like a little. This is this is going to be a weird comparison. He's got a little bit of that Debo Samuel in him, listener. If you watch Debo Samuel on the 49ers, obviously Brock's a bigger, bigger guy, but you watch them and you're like, this is just a guy who catches the ball like a receiver and runs like a running back. It's just kind of nuts. Yeah, I mean, his two one-handed catches just look so effortless. Oh um, <laughs> I mean, they, he just snagged them like they were nothing and oh wasn't even looking at the ball as he was grabbing them. He's looking up, bracing for the for the impact from the defender. Yeah. Um, one other thing I just want to add this game real quick, not to dwell on it too much, but Mike Bobo has been getting a lot of crap, and I, I think the game plan for this game, I, I said it going in, was to kind of play within ourselves – Try try to run the football against this Auburn defense and 
and not do anything stupid. And and we realized after the first half that that wasn't going to win us this game. And I think you got to give credit where credit's due because everyone's the first to blame Bobo. But in this situation, I think he really opened up the offense in that second half, queued up some really good downfield passes. I mean, if you look at that big Brock Bowers touchdown that sealed the game, the breakdown of that play was such a well thought out play. Lam McConkie came up, did a little out route, took one of the linebackers. Our running back went up, did a little out route, took the other linebacker, and essentially opened up the middle of the field for Brock. And, and that's why he was wide open in this thing. Um, and, and they had a safety over the top. They had a linebacker on him. And Brock just went between the two of them. And, and I mean, he had 10 yards separation from that linebacker. So, it was, uh, you know, easy. It looked just like an easy play, but I mean, it was it was a schematic game plan. I mean, it, it was just really good offensive play calling. Yeah, I know the as you mentioned, the Doomsday Dogs don't like Mike Bobo, which is fine. But I, I thought this was a fine game. I mean, I watched Mike Bobo as the offensive coordinator for South Carolina. You have the leading rusher in the SEC on a not very good Gamecocks team. So he's obviously a decent enough offensive coordinator. Uh, Tuck, I want to give Auburn some love. Let's talk Auburn for a little bit. We all know the issues with Auburn, right? No forward pass. Peyton Thorne was 10 for 20, 50% through a pick. Um, it d- didn't look great throwing the ball. He, he made some clutch throws on third downs. Uh, and then I didn't realize he had what he has as a runner. I mean, he was fast. He was quick. He was running well. I was surprised to see that. Um, what were your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, Peyton Thorne, when he took that first run off, I was like, oh, my God, he's going to he's gonna outrun our secondary. And then, thankfully, he just gave out a gas. But <laughs> at top speed, he was he was running right there with our safeties. Um, I The big takeaway for me, Auburn, I mean – and Auburn's kind of always been like this. They've got dudes, um, and, and their their fronts on both the offensive and defensive lines went pound for pound against Georgia, uh, if not better than in, yeah. in a lot of situations. Uh, so I do give credit to Auburn. Um, I, I don't think this Auburn team is quite, you know, as bad as – maybe they think they are, or, or maybe we were talking about last week after A&M beat them, because uh, you'll hear us talk later about how we think A&M's actually really Pretty coming good. along. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I, you know, I think this Auburn team, they, they showed fight, especially at home. They, You know, it, it's another thing about being at the top is you're going to get everyone's best game, and I think Auburn really showed out, uh, especially – on the defensive and offensive lines and really willing this team to, to almost an upset. I like those two linebackers, Tuck, Larry Nixon, the third and Eugene Asante. I know for the listeners, I've, I've talked about Eugene Asante, the North Carolina transfer a little bit before, but I I think he's looking like one of the better linebackers in the sec. I thought Larry Nixon was super disruptive. And then they had that big defensive lineman, Marcus Harris, who seemed like he was like, Seems like he was sort of living in the Georgia backfield, and and as we know, that's one of Georgia. That's one of the better offensive lines. So if you can be disruptive against Georgia, let me tell you, you can be disruptive against anybody. 
Yeah. I mean, Georgia had a decent day running. No, I mean, nothing spectacular, just over 100 yards, uh, 3.6 average. Um, but it, really, I mean, Auburn's offensive line, too, just, I mean, they were creating holes left and yeah. right for those running backs. And, and, you know, Hugh Freeze was scheming up some really good plays and, and, and duping our, our defense, Georgia's defensive line. Okay, Tuck, that's where I'm I'm 50-50 with you on that one. Uh Hugh Freeze was scheming up some things, but to me it felt like it was a lot of zone read zone zone read right, zone read left. Seemed like yeah. that was the playbook, like outside run right, outside run left. Let's get to the edges. I mean, every it seemed like every running play for Auburn was just like, let's get to the edge and try to get to the sideline. And there I was a little Auburn bit more some- to it. I mean, they, they were mixing in some, some gut punches. I mean, they were throwing in Robbie Ashford and, and doing some fun things in, in the red zone. Um, and, and that little play that they do where they do just, it looks like a read zone, but our defense collapsed on the running back every time. And Peyton Thorne just had free running to the edge. I mean, I don't know what the deal is with that play, why we couldn't defend it, but shoot, I, whatever it was, it was working. And it seems like those running backs for Auburn were, were fast. Um, that's our quest hunter guy. He only ran for three yards of carry, but he like, he popped on the screen for me as a guy that looked really quick. We know Robbie Ashford's fast. And I thought that Brian, Brian Batty guy looked pretty quick too. Yeah. I mean, they, they got some guys back there. They've got some They're dudes. athletic bunch. Unfortunately, they just can't throw the ball. <laughs> if they yeah. get through in this game, uh, we are probably talking – I'm probably sitting here crying, telling you how the Georgia days are over and this, that, and the other. Man, that would have been great for the pod. but and Unfortunately, it might happen with this team. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, this doesn't look like a playoff team to me. I'll agree. Um, I'll have to blow my own horn, toot my own horn again. I uh, did a uh, a four man sleeper sleeper app for all your fantasy football needs. This podcast should be sponsored by Sleeper, but we're not. Uh, sleeper app does some player stuff and Tuck. Once again, I I know I texted you about this. I had it nailed. I had uh, Dijon Edwards anytime touchdown check. I had Brock Bowers over his receiving yards check. I had my favorite name in college football, Marcus Rosamy Jack Saint, over his receiving yards check. And then Tuck, you know what the last one was? And I thought this was a sure thing. Carson Beck, no interception. So Carson Beck, you let me down. You threw to be fair, like a house that, of cards, it was all gone. That interception was insane by that Auburn defender. Sure. I mean, it, Great play. He honestly threw it to to the right shoulder and everything in that corner just leaped over and reached his hands around our wide receiver. I think it was Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint. Yeah. Um so and, and literally just big, snatched yeah. it out of his hands. It was I mean yeah. that was a a crazy interception and Brett uh, you know props to the defender when 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 they win a battle like that. That that was a really good defensive play. I'm telling you. And uh that was Jalen Simpson. I think that is his I think that was like his third or fourth interception of the year and i think he's had a couple of pick sixes already this year too so that's a name to look out for that kid's a ball hawk um yeah that was that was a play that guy's a player well i like it let's keep it rolling alabama mississippi state this one's pretty simple for me i i'm happy for the bama fans that they've decided on Jalen milrow i like the dual threat capabilities alabama was trying to do the smash mouth thing 
the, to me, Alabama this year is sort of like a little bit of a better version of like a, a more talented version of Auburn. I don't think Bama, I don't think they, th- they're not throwing the ball very well, Tuck. Uh, this is a team that wants to run it. They want to run it and play defense. That defense looks really, really good. Um, that's an Alabama defense where I think this is a this is going to be a top SEC team sh- solely because of that defense. They they really got the best of of Will Rogers, which makes me worry about South Carolina's defense because Will Rogers has had a roller coaster the past two weeks, but. This is an Alabama defense that looks really good. This is an Alabama rushing attack that looks pretty good. And I continue to have questions about those Alabama receivers. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think we pretty much nailed this one when we saw it. At the end of the day, Bama's bigger, better, faster, stronger than Mississippi State. Um, yep. And what I do like about this Alabama team, um, I, I, I do I, – I think they're finally slowly getting away from – trying to be an old Alabama team. Like you just do not have those dudes at wide receiver. You do not have that dude at quarterback. So you got to pivot. You got to change your offensive scheme and your offensive game plan. And they are finally playing to the strengths of their individual players. Um, And I think that goes a long way, uh, especially when we're talking about an SEC right now that, Nobody looks incredibly strong, um, yeah. you know, and, and with their defense, like we said, I mean, three picks was eight tackles for the loss, uh, a few sacks like picks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that you don't need your offense to do a ton. You, you can no. you can just if you stay within yourself, play to your offensive players strengths score enough points and then let your defense shut them down, then you're going to win a lot of games. And I, I think, you know, I, I don't really see too many teams right now in the SEC that can beat them running this running the way they're running. Um, now, do I think they're going to win a national championship doing this? I don't think so. I think they got to open up the passing attack a little bit more if they're going to want to, you know, it, do something in the playoffs or something like that. And, you know, that's Alabama's goal because they're Alabama. But, um, you know, not a ton to take away from this. I I do – Mississippi State's bad. Alabama's – I think Alabama is better than they were playing at the beginning of the season and mostly because of that offensive schematic approach. Yeah, I've got got two key points there. Point one, I I think Alabama's the second-best team in the SEC – I think Alabama is, in my opinion, the front runner to play Georgia in the SEC championship. So we can look forward to another iteration of Georgia, Alabama. So that's exciting. Um, yeah. And then I, this was for me, this was the coming out party of that freshman, Caleb Downs. So for the recruiting folks, Caleb Downs was the number one safety in the country last year on 247 Sports. And that kid looks like the next great Alabama safety. Boy, was I impressed. He had a pick. It seemed like he made every single tackle. He was super disruptive. Uh, He was in on a few pass deflections. I mean, this guy looked like an absolute dog, Tuck. I was really impressed. Yeah, Caleb Downs is a stud. We've all, I mean, all offseason we were hearing crazy things about this guy and and things that you just don't hear about from a, a, a true freshman at Alabama. 
Um, normally, you know, even if you're a five-star guy, you're going in and you're sitting for a couple of years and then you're making your mark. But everything we've been hearing is, I, I think, here we are, what, four or five games into the season? And he's already he's already making his his uh, his mark on the SEC. I'm with you, Tuck. I, I'm going to keep my Mississippi State thoughts really quick. I do not think Mississippi State's very good. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't think Will Rogers is very good anymore. Um, and then I I don't think Zach Arnett or Kevin Barbe, the head coach and offensive coordinator, I, I think those guys are, are basically frauds, Tuck. Um, <laughs> how do you have Jaquavius Marks? who's so good and just not give him touches. He, he averaged eight yards a carry this game and he touched the ball nine times. How does that happen? Yeah. That's I mean, coaching malpractice. And I know, I know you're down, you got to pass, but like you, the best player on Mississippi state right now is Jaquavius Marks. How are you not giving that guy the ball more? Imagine if Georgia just never threw it to Brock Bowers. We'd be like, what are you doing? What's I, going on? I couldn't agree more. I, I think this is a, a, a case of, an offense that hasn't found their identity. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think they know what they want to do. Uh, and so I, maybe that South Carolina game just messed with their heads. And, and so they're like, oh, we actually did pretty well throwing the ball 80 times. Maybe we should try that again against Alabama. It's like, no, that doesn't work. You got to change according to who you're playing, what they're giving you and everything else. And they're just, they're just not doing what they need to do from an offensive standpoint. Yeah. And then the matchup we all the, the NFL matchup we wanted to see was Tulu Griffin versus Kool Aid McKinstry. <laughs> Advantage Kool Aid, folks. Let's just say I'm drinking the Kool Aid on his draft stock because he absolutely shut down Tulu Griffin the whole game. Tulu had five catches for 21 yards after he had 300 yards receiving last week, uh, and that was Kool Aid McKinstry on an island just locking him up. And now, time for a quick commercial break. This podcast is actually sponsored by The Cottage Shop, the premier wedding shop in Savannah, Georgia, and your one-stop shop for wedding registry, fine china, calligraphy, and custom invitation design. The Cottage Shop, where weddings happen. Tuck, you want to keep it rolling? Let's keep moving. All right. This one, if you like offense... You enjoyed this football game. LSU versus my Ole Miss, the Rebels, Lane Kiffin. He's an offensive genius again, Tuck. We were doubting him last week. He must have listened to the pod, got some bulletin board material, and he is back. Ole Miss 55, LSU 49. That game cracked me up. We were talking about this last week. The over-under, I think, was 67, and we are like, man, that's just so high. It was the highest in the SEC. And they thought, let's just throw out an easy 104. I love that. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they went straight through that one. I mean, they'd blown through it at halftime. I think they were like 60 points at halftime, weren't they? Wasn't it 31-28, 59 points at halftime? Yeah, yeah it looks just, like it. I mean, that's just nuts. Um, my takeaway, neither of these teams played any defense. Um, let's start with Ole Miss. Jackson Dart was really good. The Jackson Dart Heisman train back on the tracks. Trey Harris and Jordan Watkins are studs, those receivers. 
And finally, I've been so tough on this guy just because I think he's good. Finally, Quinshad Judkins comes to life. 33 touches, 177 yards, two touchdowns, one rushing, one receiving. Uh, they were pounding the rock with Quinshad Judkins, which I liked. That was opening up the pass for Jackson Dart and those two receivers. This Ole Miss defense uh, looked absolutely atrocious. Um, and then LSU is who we thought they are. Jaden Daniels, super good. Brian Thomas Jr. and Malik Neighbors, both super good. Logan Diggs is coming along at running back, the Notre Dame transfer. He's looked really good. Jaden Daniels, he's got the dual threat capabilities. He's going to run and pass. I think I saw at one point at the end of that game, Jaden Daniels had over 500 yards of total offense. So uh, th- this is a good LSU offensive team. This is a good Ole Miss offensive team. And these two teams are Swiss cheese in the secondary tuck. I mean, 7-11, always open, 24-7. They're, they're not stopping anybody. And this is a... Uh, that's that's not the way of the SEC. Not to go on an old man rant, but what what we saw here, LSU versus Ole Miss, this was not SEC football. Tuck, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't agree with you more. And this is why, you know, I I said early on, I, I think everyone was giving LSU all this credit, saying they're going to make a huge step forward. And I said, if I, they want to make a huge step forward, they better do it defensively. Because that, that's what they need. That's what they've been missing. I mean, their one national championship that they got recently, they had, like, the best offense of all time. And we know this offense isn't that offense. I, I mean, no. they, they don't have Joe Burrow. Jane Daniels is is a certified stud, but, like, he's not an NFL. Of course, I'm talking about Joe Burrow as he – continues to flub through the NFL this season. but <laughs> Joe Burrow got paid and has taken a season off. Yeah, as, as he's ruining my <laughs> fantasy football team. Um, but that being said, you know, I, I still loved watching this game. I mean, it was back and forth, back and forth. So all, all Miss came out with a, a few huge punches right out of the gate. Then LSU clawed back. And the next thing we know, LSU's up and we're sitting there in the third or fourth quarter. And, and then LSU kind of fell flat there at the end. Uh, and that's really what this game boiled down to it. We needed, I mean, they needed to score pretty much every drive that they had the ball there at the end because their defense wasn't going to stop anyone. I mean, I, I think they yeah. were just all so tired and gas from trying to run with these wide receivers. It just was never going to work. And, and LSU did, just couldn't make it happen there at the end of the game, and Ole Miss really did. They came through clutch, and you know I, I've got to apologize to. I, I'm not apologizing to Lane Kiffin because for that Alabama game, he was talking. <laughs> we don't apologize on this podcast, Tuck. No, he he was. I mean, just all over social media doing this, that, and the other, and then I don't hear much of, of anything this week. And sure enough, you know. He's quiet. He comes out and he gets a huge win against this LSU team. That, like I said, I think LS, this LSU team can beat almost anyone, but they are so up and down. And that defense is just, especially the secondary, so atrocious. Not good. Uh, you know, it's gonna it's gonna give them some losses this year that they weren't hoping for. Yeah. Tuck, let me throw some numbers at you. LSU, 33 first downs. Ole Miss, 32 first downs. 
LSU, 637 total yards. Ole Miss, 706 total yards. <laughs> what are we doing here, Tuck? That reminds me of like the Pac-10, the Pac-12 back in the day when like Southern Cal would play Oregon State and there'd be 1,200 yards of offense. Yeah. What are we doing? The, the SEC, there's not supposed to be 1,300 yards of offense. That's just... Especially if you're going to try to win your DBU, like LSU. Oh you know? More like no DBU, right? Yeah, I mean they gotta they gotta chill on trying to try to claim any U until they get this this defense no. figured out. Yeah, correct. Yeah, you you do not get to be DBU when you're giving up 700 total yards of offense. Don't miss. That's a fact. No. That's a great call out. Um, I like it. Tuck, if I may, allow me to climb on up on top of my soapbox, if that's okay with you. Let it loose, Dan. Our next game, South Carolina, Tennessee. Listener, if you'll allow me to just sort of, uh, if you if you allow me to just muse about for the next couple of minutes, bear with me. If you if you want to put me on one point five speed or two point speed, that's probably 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 a good thing. Um, this South Carolina team for me is really frustrating, and I, I don't think this is a very good football team. We'll we'll talk about it in the power rankings later, but this is a this is in that bottom tier of the SEC. Anecdotally, I don't think Tennessee is really that great either, but this was a um, this was a really disappointing game for me to watch for a couple of reasons. I think my biggest issue with Shane Beamer. Um, is his refusal to play the best players. We're not playing our best players. And that, that should be something that a coach should do and should know how to do. Uh, I, I'm starting to really actively dislike our defensive coordinator, Clayton White. I, I don't think he really does a good job of adjusting to anything. It doesn't seem like we, we stop anybody. And I get that Tennessee does that Josh Heupel, high-powered, fast-paced offense thing, but there's got to be adjustments to make. Um, South Carolina's best best running back right now is a guy named Mario Anderson. A transfer has come onto the scene, and he was great against Tennessee. He busted one for 75 and a touchdown. He looked big. He looked strong. And yet, for some reason, we can't just – make him the workhorse back and hand him the ball. Really our only receiver worth worth anything is Xavier Leggett until Antoine Wells gets back, which I doubt Antoine Wells plays again this season for the listeners. That's Juice Wells. And Tennessee was just shamelessly double, doubling Xavier Leggett. So we had we had no offense. Our defense looks uh, absolutely terrible. Our our linebackers are Debo Williams and Stone Blanton. I don't think those guys are SEC linebackers. Our defensive line tuck is it's embarrassing. I, I don't think we had any sacks or any tackles for loss that game. Actually, I think we had one sack that was like a totally broken play where Joe Milton literally basically tripped over and they gave our sack to like our <laughs> fourth string running back our fourth string linebacker. They like credited him. And Joe Milton literally tripped on himself. So we get no pressure defensively. We can't stop anybody. Offensively, we're so reliant on poor Spencer Rattler, who has no time because our offensive line's terrible. We're all just looking at Spencer Rattler, going, "Please, Spencer Rattler, you know, 
you miracle worker, make something happen. You can do it. And he's just doing his absolute best. I think Spencer Rattler's an absolute stud. I think I, I still think he's the best quarterback in the SEC. I think he's probably a top five quarterback in college football. And he just has no help, the poor guy. I mean, he's just trying to do it all himself, and nobody's there to help him. The SEC listener is still a line of scrimmage league. You got to have a good offensive line. You've got to have a good defensive line. I don't think South Carolina has e- either. And it, they're just they're frustrating to watch because I really, in my heart of hearts, I don't believe Shane Beamer has the guts to do anything about it. He's going to continue to play the, you know, the older players that aren't as good because they're quote unquote good teammates and great practice players and great Gamecocks, and that's all great. But you got to play the guys that are going to produce under the lights on Saturday. And he, he just basically outright refuses to do that. I don't like our defensive coordinator. I don't like our offensive line coach. I I loathe our running backs coach. Um, so I, I think Beamer needs to make some significant changes. And I'll tell you right now, he's not going to do it. He's not going to change anything. And we're going to be having the same conversation next year. But instead of Spencer Rattler, it's going to be my new favorite backup quarterback, Lenora Sellers, just trying to do his best. So I'm fed up, Tuck. I'm I'm fed up again. I, I think this Gamecocks team is not very good. Well, I won't pile on to the South Carolina part for you. I, I think Thank you pretty you. much covered it there. Um, I do want to give Tennessee some credit. I, and when I was talking yeah, about this, this game is a good earlier, game. I mean, I like Tennessee because they – they went back to the run. They ran the ball 40 times for yeah. 238 yards. They, and I, I thought this was just kind of a matchup nightmare for y'all. Uh, I didn't think that their defense was going to hold up as well as it did. Uh, but, you know, that they really shut y'all down and uh, they made Spencer Rattler have his first God, that game kind of where he looked like a human. Um, and one and really so, bad moment with that pick six. Bad, just a bad decision. Yeah, so, but cre- I mean, credit to Tennessee in this. Um, I thought they looked good. And, and again, it goes back. I think Tennessee lost to Florida in this kind of crazy mitch, uh, mismatch from a schematic standpoint. Uh, and at, and they're just a different team in Knoxville. You know, they yeah. get up and, and they – and they they play better at home and the sec you know if i'm looking at this jumbled up mess of teams moving forward there's a really good chance that i just look at who the home team is <laughs> and i just ride whoever the home team is Smart. um because it's kind of like no one should be favored over the other but a lot of these teams just play way better um on their home turf and and, and it's a huge deciding factor in these games and teams are, you you said it earlier in the episode, Tuck, teams are starting to find their stride. We are five games into the season. Teams are starting to understand their identity. Coaches are starting to understand what players can produce in what ways. And we're, I, I, think, I think this is the first week where we're going to really be able to move forward and say, like, we, we know what we're going to get with this team. Like, we have a pretty good we have a pretty good handle on what, what these games are going to look like moving forward because we're starting to see these teams develop their identities, and that is fun to watch. Um, and I like Tennessee's identity. Tennessee's identity is fast offense, 
rushing attack is going to open up the passing attack. And then Tennessee still, I think they're still the team that blitzes the most in college football. So a really aggressive offense and a really aggressive defense, which is fun. I mean, I was obviously cheering against Tennessee, but it was fun to watch them, you know, run past run. Jalen Wright breaks one deep and then Joe Milton throws it to Squirrel White in the flat two seconds later and he's breaking tackles. And then it's back to Jalen Wright on the edge for a touchdown. And you're like, wow, well, that was just a four play drive for 60 yards and a touchdown in 25 seconds. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to watch. When it works, it's great. When it doesn't, it, it, it it shoots you in the foot. And, yeah. and so, you Your know, defense gets tired. for them, yeah. thankfully it was working this game. Obviously wasn't working against Florida. And so that that's kind of what put them behind. But I don't think we need to dwell on it too long, Dan. We, we can no. move on to the next game. So you, can, with you. you can get excited again. Tuck, a master of the transition, folks. That's why he's the best in the business. It's transitions like that. Florida, Kentucky. I think this Kentucky team's really good, Tuck. I think this is a smash mouth SEC football team. I love, I heart Ray Davis. We've known Ray Davis is good. We've told our listeners, hey, this guy on Kentucky, he's a transfer from Vandy. He's really good. He's going to be good against Florida. And we said last week on the episode, we we both said, we said Kentucky is going to beat Florida. And I, I said Kentucky is going to handle Florida. And that's exactly what happened. This was the Ray Davis show. Over 300 total yards, four touchdowns. Kentucky's offensive line looked great. Talk about line of scrimmage issues. Florida (laughs) offensive and defensive line looked really, really bad. Really, really pedestrian. Um, I was impressed with Graham Mertz. I thought Graham Mertz continues to look good. And I've not been impressed with Devin Leary. I think Devin Leary continues to look terrible. So this this was interesting for me, but I, I like that Kentucky run the ball and play defense. I I think this is a really good Kentucky team. Tuck, I, I want to hear your thoughts on the game, and then I want to hear your thoughts on Kentucky-Georgia. Yeah, well, well, we'll get into that in, that, in the upcoming pod. But um, I, I do – look, I think this Kentucky team is good. I think – I mean, they were running through gaping wide hole. I mean, Ray Davis was just wide. I mean, it was like they weren't even trying to do anything else, and Florida just couldn't defend it. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't yeah. – it blew my mind that they wouldn't just stack the box and try to make Devin Leary throw the ball. But, like, I mean, I guess even when they were, the, the, Kentucky's O-line was literally just opening these monster holes for them. Massive. Um but fun stat of this game is the Gators have now lost 13 of their last 14 games away from the swamp. Wow. So they just I don't mean, win. They don't win away. They don't. They're they're one and nine in true away games. Oh and two against Georgia and Jacksonville since 2021, and oh and two in bowl games. They just don't know how to play back to home field advantage. I mean, yeah. this Florida team doesn't know how to play somewhere else. And I don't, you know, I don't know what the field has to do with tackling, you know, I, I don't know why, if, if you see someone in blue running past you, just go tackle the guy. It's the lights. It's, it's the like, lights are different away. They can't see anything. I, I don't know what, what they're doing to juice the field over there in the swamp. Um, but it, it was wild. I mean, for a little bit there, we were just sitting there hoping Ray Davis breaks the record for the most rushing yards in a, in a SEC game. 
or, yeah. or maybe an NCAA game. I, I forgot what they said. That I think the SEC record was Darren McFadden back in the day running for like 315 or something. But um, it was I don't know. 21 yards, Arkansas. Darren Mc, You know what? I was going to say, I, I was thinking it might have been against South Carolina. Sorry to interrupt you. It was Darren McFadden against South Carolina in 2007, 321 <laughs> yards. <laughs> that, that one stings in your memory a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I was thinking, I remember there was one game where, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought I felt this helpless on a defense one time. Yeah, I mean, they yeah, just correct. run the ball up the middle 36 times and we and average nine yards a carry. I mean, That's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just, to me, that just makes no sense how, how a team can just do the same thing over and over and over again and, and just continue to beat you down. But yeah, no, I mean, credit to Kentucky's offensive line, Kentucky, or, or credit to Ray Davis. I mean, Devin Leary didn't even need to throw the ball. They threw it 19 times, but probably just to keep Florida a little bit in check. Keep the cornerback still out on an island. Exactly. Just so they didn't put 11 people in the box. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, this I, I'm not impressed with this Florida defense. Um, Billy Napier is supposed to be, you know, supposed to – his identity is – you know, a big physical football team with a good defense. And that is, uh, that's, that's not what we're, that's not what we're getting here from the Gators. So, yeah, but it brings me back to that Tennessee game. Why, why was Kentucky able to run the ball like that against them and Tennessee wasn't? It just, uh, that's such a good question. You know, and I, you, the biggest difference there is really, it's just the field that they're playing home on. Versus away. Yeah. Home versus away. You're right. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that's the biggest takeaway from this game for me. We need to have Tuck. We need to have a a, a portion where our listeners can call into the show because I I'd, I'd love to hear from a Florida fan. Like, what is happening? What is this like Jekyll and Hyde thing you're doing home and away? <laughs> How does this? Because it baffles me. It does. Um, it, it's baffling. It makes no sense. It doesn't. Oh, it's 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 nuts. All right, let's keep it rolling. Uh, I've said it here. I'm going to continue to say it. Vanderbilt's going to lose 10, 10 games in a row and go two and two and ten. So that's unfortunate. Um, I, I know this one was so obvious. I called my shot on this game and got it right too last week. Uh, Brady Cook, four hundred yards, four touchdowns. Nathaniel Pete and Cody Schrader, a nice healthy dose of rushing, and then Luther Burden the third and Theo Weiss just dominating that Vanderbilt secondary um uh, my takeaway i i'm really confused by this missouri team everybody's telling me this missouri team's good and i i i like their i like the skill positions but i'm i'm not bought in tuck am i crazy am i right Uh, we're gonna learn more this week because they got to play lsu but yeah i mean until they play a start really getting into the SEC slate. I mean, they're they're going to continue to fill this role of the overrated SEC team, yeah, <laughs> where I think these pollsters are looking through their ballots. You know who who do I put here towards the end of uh, of my rankings in the top twenty five? And they're like, well, we got an undefeated SEC team sitting here. Do I think they're that good? Probably not. But let's just slot them in until they lose and then you know they'll probably lose to lsu this week and then filter out and then someone else will pop back in there so yeah. um 
look, they did what they're supposed to do against Vandy. Props to them for that. They've handled their non-conference slate. Props to them for that. That they, they have overachieved this season. Uh, and so I, I, I don't want to not give them credit, especially with Brady Cook. You know, I, I think a few weeks ago, we're like, I think we know who Brady Cook is. And now I'm like, well, do we know who Brady Cook is? I mean, he's starting to look like one of the better pastors in the SEC. Starting to look Uh, pretty good. It's kind of like, is it, we've been waiting for him to get the ball to these five star receivers, and now he's kind of figured out how to do it. And so it is a little dangerous. And Missouri's always going to have that staunch defense. Um, now we'll see how that defense holds up against an LSU team. Um, that that's offense is obviously really good, but this LSU team's also pretty down and out about themselves right now. So Missouri might just be catching them right at the right time, you know, with a little hangover from this Ole Miss game, feeling bad about themselves. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And did you notice Vanderbilt? They've replaced our precious AJ Swan with the senior Ken Seals, and I thought he looked pretty good. Um, I was impressed. I honestly didn't even watch, didn't even see that. I was not watching this game. I do look, I mean, I, I looked back at some of the highlights and stuff, but they had to do something. I mean, AJ Swan was doing what the Vanderbilt quarterback cannot do, yeah. and that is cause turnovers. That is cause your team to lose the game. You got to kind of play, play within yourself as Vanderbilt and hope for the occasional upset. Fortunately, this year I just don't see it happening. But um, you know, good good for Ken Seals coming in there and, and doing a little better job of protecting the ball. Yeah, yeah, I was I was watching a part of this game and watching this like quarterback. I'm like, man, AJ Swan, he's back, baby. And then I'm like, wait a minute, this is no way. This is AJ Swan. So I do a quick Google, and it's I guess their backups a, a senior, Ken Seals, pretty. Pretty rugged looking dude. I like him. I liked his game. It looks like a tough guy. Um, well, maybe he can will our over three and a half. You know, maybe a change change will do something for us. Yeah, maybe maybe a change of scenery. Um, yeah, Vanderbilt just had no rushing attack, which was interesting. But I still, I still, you know, I, I like this. Let's air it out, Vanderbilt team. It's not going to work. They're not going to win. But you know, it's a it's a fun little strategy. Try. Yeah, <laughs> try something new. All right, let's keep it going. I mean, Missouri is pretty simple, right? It's it's Brady Cook, Luther Burden the third, and let's see what we can do. And, and yeah. that's working. Last but not least, Tuck, Texas AM. I think this team is pretty good. Yeah, I, I mean, think if this I have, team is pretty good. If I have one big takeaway this week, it's that AM looks dangerous. Uh yeah. they are really coming into their own. And in their game and a half with Max Johnson at the helm, I mean, the sample size has been solid. It they look, I mean, I, Max Johnson's stats weren't incredible in this game, but I don't know if the team's rallying around him. You know, he's got his brother that he's throwing the ball to, so maybe that wide receiver yeah. room and tight end room just likes him a little bit more. Um, but and I don't think Connor Wagman was bad, and I, I don't think he deserved to lose his starting job or anything like that, but. Um, you know, I, I will say he coughed up the football a couple times, which isn't what you need. And they kind of kept Arkansas. The, those turnovers kind of kept Arkansas hanging around in this game. In the game, but yeah. the truth of the matter is, the from start to finish in this game, 
Texas A&M absolutely dominated Arkansas. It was kind of one of those things. I was watching it, and every time I turn around, I'd be like, wait, how did Arkansas get back in it here? And it's like they didn't really do anything. That It was just A&M was trying to to keep them in it. Um, But from a pure talent standpoint, from a scheme standpoint, I mean, A&M was doing pretty much what they wanted this entire game. And even with some, some, you know, mistakes, they, they still handled this game. And I, I never thought it was in doubt. I'm with you, Tuck. I mean, my, my, what, let's call it my two key takeaways here. Uh, first, their punt returner, Anaya Smith, that he's got to be the most electric punt returner in college football. Uh, on the on the long one, I think it was like 85, 90 yards. He returned one for a touchdown. Yeah, he's he's running backwards. He takes it like over, catches it like off the bounce over his shoulder, and then as soon as he turns around, everybody's thinking, "Oh my god, this guy's just he's gone!" And then he just starts making moves. He's you know, so electric. He's so there's fast. something to be said about that little fumbled punt. And as when watching that play. And I was like, you know, I've seen a lot of punt returns like this. 2012 like South Carolina, Georgia. You remember half that? The, half the ones that go yard, the the receiver drops it first and then picks it back up. And I don't yeah, know if the defense just gives up after everybody that. Everybody sort of freezes. And, and you pick it up and you're gone. There, but, you know, I I don't think there's something you can play into it. But, shoot, Beamer might be able to find something. He, he loves gimmicky stuff like that. <laughs> Maybe off, he's just going to tell you all first off, to start. If anybody's going to find it, it's going to be Pete Limbo. Don't give me that credit. <laughs> it's going to be Pete Limbo who finds it. But you're right. right. Let's let's get our let's get our investigative team, the I team, to do some data research because it seems like every time you have that like bouncing ball where you're like, oh, I'm like going to kind of fumble it, and then you're gone. So yeah, I don't know what it uh, is, but there, it, it's a weird phenomenon that I, I've just I feel just from my experience, I feel like there's got to be some statistics there. I, you nailed it. I agree. Uh, Anaya Smith, absolutely electric. And then the other takeaway, Tuck, is such an obvious one. We've talked about this Texas A&M defense having a lot of talent. I mean, it's it's littered with five stars, very similar to a Georgia defense, right? Like, I'm looking down the list, and it's five-star, 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 yeah. five-star. Maybe they're maybe they're starting to get the coaching right because this was one of the most disruptive defensive games I've ever seen. Seven sacks, fifteen tackles for loss, and it felt like it, it to me. It felt like a 10-20 game. Ten sacks, twenty tackles for loss. I mean, this Texas A&M defensive front seven was living in the Arkansas backfield. Yeah, I mean they they dominated this Arkansas front line dominated. that just last week was was playing well with LSU. Now I guess. There's something to be said about that. I think we've now learned that LSU's defense is just probably pretty terrible. Yeah. But, you know, this AM defensive front, if they can continue to do this kind of stuff, watch out Alabama next week. Cause oh my gosh. If Agreed. this front seven's playing well, uh that that's no what you need to beat this Alabama yeah. team. Oh yeah. Um, so I really like it too. And after getting beat up by Miami early, I think everyone was kind of counting out this Texas A&M team, but I think right now that they are a dark horse to win the SEC West. And if they beat Alabama this week, I mean, we're talking they're, they're the front runners. There's, there's no doubts about it at that point. So 
you know, they're, they're catching steam at the right time. I think they're finding their identity kind of like Alabama is and, and they're getting after the passer, making disruptive plays and, and winning ball games because of it. I'm with you, Tuck. I mean, this, we're going to do a power rankings at the end of this episode and Texas A&M's climbing. They're a riser for me. I'm sure they're a riser for you. Probably a riser I'm for all of our listeners. Um, but this is this appears to be a good football team. This appears to be a good college football team. And now, time for a quick commercial break. This podcast is sponsored by Pintail Site Preparation. The team at Pintail is providing the best site preparation work in Savannah, Georgia, and throughout the Low Country. If you need the best site prep team in the business, give Pintail a call. Pintail Site Preparation's goal is to deliver the highest quality, most cost-effective projects on schedule by supporting motivated, flexible, and focused teams, while most importantly, emphasizing on safety. If it's site preparation you want to nail, go ahead and call Pintail. Pintail Site Preparation, the best in Georgia and the Lowcountry. So, Tuck, let's, uh, let's, announce it. let's announce it. We've gotten some feedback from our listeners. More jingles, more, more transitions, so... Let's go to studs and duds, studs and duds. We've got some studs and we've got some duds. So there it is, Tuck. There's our jingle. That's for you, Charlie Spalding. There's your jingle that you were asking for. That's for you, Charlie. (laughs) That's called a jingle. I'll I'll break out the piano next episode. I've got a baby grand piano right to my left. I'll I'll start playing that in future episodes. That'll be good. Uh, Tuck, let's start for you. Who's your first stud of the week? Well, I'm going to go to the Georgia Bulldogs because I haven't oh, put boy. them in the studs category yet. I haven't Let had anyone. <laughs> Initials are BB. <laughs> That's a good guess, Dan, and you are right. Uh, Brock Bowers with a real breakout game here. I mean, the second half alone, he took over this game. Uh, he looked like a man amongst boys. He, he so did everything that we knew he could do. And like I said, I think Bobo opened up the offense and schemed up some plays to get the ball in his hands to make sure we didn't lose this game. And Brock didn't disappoint. You know, if you get this guy in space, he will get you 15 yards. Uh, no, There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, I, I saw some crazy stat last week, and I don't know what the count is now, but apparently he's on pace to have the most broken tackles in a season uh, by a lot. <laughs> and so, like, I mean, people like, conflict all by a tight time. end or by a wide receiver or by anybody. I think it was by anybody. It might have been oh a tight gosh. end stat, but it was like, <laughs> you know, there's like 60 in a season and he, he's already had like 20 or something. I mean, it's, oh my gosh. People just bounce off this guy. You don't tackle him with one guy. And like, if you get him with a full head of steam, there's just, there's no stopping him. He's got incredible balance, he's got incredible hands. He's incredibly fast, and he doesn't look at it. He's almost a sneaky fast, um, and he, he checks every single box that you want. And, and he's, I mean, he's our saving grace right now through through five games of the season as a Georgia Bulldog. Yeah, he's he's a stud. Um, Tuck, you should have let me done. You should have let me do Brock Bowers because I. I still regret calling him a dud a couple weeks ago. 
Gosh, he's so good. No, he's, you don't get to come back from that day. I know. Oh gosh, I, <laughs> no, the Georgia fans have not forgiven me, and I am for that. I am sorry. When you see him in New York, I, I'll replay that. I know that clip over and over again. Oh, I love it. When we finally get him on the pod to interview, we'll replay that, and he'll be like, "I hate this guy. I don't know." That'll be funny. He's going to cost too much for us at that point. We'll, we'll get Oscar Delp or, or yeah, <laughs> someone That's else in the pod in room. Oscar Delp, come on the pod. Um, you know, Tuck Brock Bowers, he's he's too big for a cornerback. He's too fast for a linebacker or a safety, and he's got sticky hands. The guy's a stud. It's that simple. Yep. My first stud, uh, this is an easy one. This is a quick one. Ray Davis, come on down. 26 carries, 280 yards, two touchdowns. He was unstoppable. We're going to do some midseason position rankings. So we're going to rank the quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends, the skill positions. Uh, at our midseason mark after week six. Let me tell you, Tuck, Ray Davis, I've started to prep some of my lists. Ray Davis is right near the top for me. This kid is a stud. Yeah, I mean, I don't see any running backs doing what he's doing so far this season. And and Correct. this was his breakout game against this Florida defense that we thought was going to be able to at least hold him up a little bit. But uh, you can't. Can't say anything else after looking at that stat line. He ran at will. I agree. He was doing it. All right. It's my back-to-back. My next one, the Missouri trio, Brady Cook, five-star, Luther Burden, five-star Oklahoma transfer, Theo Weiss Jr., Brady Cook, 380 passing yards. Luther Burden and Theo Weiss had 260 of those, three tutties. That is a three-headed monster if I've ever seen one, Tuck. Yeah, I mean, that passing attack is dangerous. Uh, they're they're coming into their own, and we're going to see if anyone can stop them here soon. Listener, if you like recruiting, just Google Theo Weiss Jr. 247, and you can see these two as recruits, studs, five-star stud recruits. All right. Well, I'm going to get into my next, and it's not a person, but it's a group, and it's this Texas A&M Fronts 7. We talked a little bit about it already, but seven sacks, 15 tackles for loss. I mean, we're talking about a K.J. Jefferson that's – I mean, how big is the guy? He's got to be like six foot five, two 280 pounds. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And – if the guy runs the ball 18 times for thir- negative three yards, I mean, it, you would think he could just fall forward and, and get three yards. But this Texas A&M front seven was just shutting him down all game and won this game for the Aggies, and, and they dominated from beginning to end because they were controlling the line of scrimmage. And, Tuck, I got to say, I, I had our, our data team do some research while you are talking about K.J. Jefferson. He's listed at 6'3", 247, and uh, listener, I'm not proud of it. I'm six foot four, but there was a time about uh, six months ago where I got up to 247, and I did not look like what K.J. Jefferson looks like, just <laughs> anecdotally. Those are, those are two different ways to be two, two different 247. <laughs> two different 247s, Doc. I'll tell you that right now. I don't know, Dan. Throw some oh, pads on you. Y'all might look about the same. Oh, boy. Love that. Um, All right, Tuck, you got the back-to-back. My next stud, I'm going to give some credit to someone that we've been given a lot of hate to. Um, We've been bashing this Alabama quarterback room pretty much since we started the pod. Um, Preseason, we didn't trust it. We didn't know where they were going to go. 
We've settled in on Jalen Milrow. I think we've settled in on this offensive scheme. We know what he's good at. We know what he's bad at. And you know what? He's good when he runs the ball. 11 carries, 69 yards, two touchdowns. And then if he only has to throw the ball between 10 and 15 times a game, I think that's a perfect recipe for an Alabama W. And Jalen Melrose went 10 for 12 for 164 yards. I mean, it, he's hitting. he was hitting the passes they needed to hit. He controlled this game. He didn't make mistakes. And he did everything that this Alabama team needs him to do. Yeah. Haley's told me to stop using this phrase when talking about these different quarterbacks, but I look at Jalen Milrow and I love the legs. I like love the runner. legs. He's dual threat. I like it. Uh, speaking of runners, another perfect transition. Uh, I've been giving this guy a hard time, Tuck. So this is us. This is us giving credit where credit's due. Quinshawn Judkins, Ole Miss running back. I've been waiting for the breakout game, and it was finally here. I think he had something like 35-ish, 36-ish touches, um, 180 yards on the ground, a couple of touchdowns, one rushing, one receiving. Uh, He was clutch. This was the Quinshawn Judkins we all fell in love with last year, who was just making plays, all-American type guy. Uh, So this might be the game. He might be back, Tuck. He certainly looked good this week. I don't know if I trust him going forward outside of this LSU defense, but he definitely, you know, the fact that they were able to control, uh, they won this game. I think we all knew Jackson Dart was going to be able to air it out uh, against this LSU secondary, but they really won the game because they were able to control the clock and control the game on the ground as well. I need to do some quick research and see if uh, Ole Miss plays uh, Florida at Ole Miss. If so, let's take the uh, Quinshaw Judkins over 200 yards <laughs> rushing prop. Yeah, definitely. Our, and I've just pulled up the schedule, and unfortunately they don't play. So we'll have to save that for next year. Yeah, Georgia's playing them this year. Uh, nice. Oh, good. That'll be fun. That'll be a good one. All right. Ready for let's the duds? Talk, let's talk duds. I've only got two duds. I'll go first. We'll just go back to back to back to back. That'll be good. Uh, my first dud is the South Carolina defensive line. Once again, we're not allowed to call South Carolina USC until they prove they deserve it. That defensive line, absolutely no pressure. We had um, we had one sack, which was a broken play. No tackles for loss. Couldn't stop Tennessee. Got, I mean, it was comical, the lack of pressure. Joe Milton was standing back there, reading a book, making some coffee, making himself a sandwich third read, fourth read, fifth read. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable, the lack of pressure. So that South Carolina defensive line is not very good. Uh, and that's going to make it hard for them to be successful this year. I hear you. And I, I'm kind of doubling down, hating on my team here. Because I can't give Georgia love without giving them a little hate, especially love when they eke it out against Auburn. So I'm going with Georgia's edge defenders. Um, yeah. oh, they looked slow at times. I felt like there was a huge lack of contain on multiple plays. They just did not look like our typical edge defenders that that helped dominate that line of scrimmage. Um, and, and they just continuously got beat time and time and time again on the outside. And I think they've kind of given other teams uh, a recipe for what to do against us. And I think you're going to see teams, especially Kentucky, this coming up week. I think he, they're going to run Ray Davis right at the tackles, the Ray Davis time show. and time and time again, and, yeah. and see what Georgia can do. 
I can't wait for that game, Tuck. If I'm the offensive coordinator for Kentucky, it's uh, it's a two-play system. Ray Davis right, Ray Davis left. Let's see what they can do. Yep. All right. This has been one of my duds before, but I'm going to give them a dud again because they are just atrocious, and that is the LSU Tiger secondary. Jackson Dart threw for about a million yards. He had 400 yards, four touchdowns. That LSU secondary is really bad, Tuck, and they have no depth. So there's no options. It's not like they can go to someone else to play because it's just it's it's bad on bad. Another dud. Yeah, nah. Another dud they, of the week. They, they've lost them two games, their two biggest games so far this season. And so yeah. you can't you gotta give them a dud both times. If if you're the reason that your team can't be successful, especially when you got like a national championship caliber, everything else. Not to say their defensive line is a national championship caliber, but their offense is. Um, you know, you kind of deserve it. My next dud, and I'll, I'll stop here too, but um, I'm going to go with the Florida D line. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know what to say. They're, or really, their defensive front, seven, not just their line. I mean, Ray Davis, every time he touched the ball, was going for another touchdown. It, it was the easiest game plan I've ever seen and a real lack of everything from this Florida front. So call my dud for the week. A real lack of football talent from this Florida defensive line. Yeah, well, I don't think it's even a talent thing. I don't know if it's effort. I don't know if it's scheme. I don't know what it is, but it was just – I mean, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch this game just to see – what Kentucky was doing to this Florida team to to really break through and, and cause these massive holes for Ray Davis to run through. Yeah. Oh. All right, Tuck. Let's finish strong, folks. New segment: SEC power rankings. We're gonna rank them. This is what you've all been waiting for. Let's end the episode with a bang, Tuck. Let's go. Uh, let's go fourteen down. We'll go fourteen to one. And then maybe the ten second summary of each team and why you ranked them there. How does that sound? And we'll go. Uh, we'll go back to back. Sounds good to me. Uh, I'll start. start. Yeah, and I think we're going to probably be aligned. I imagine my fourteen is the Vanderbilt Commodores. This team is not very good. I think they're going to lose ten straight games and finish the season two and twelve, two and ten. I'm right there with you. Nothing to add. Love it. All right, Tuck. We'll, we'll go Snake. Give me your thirteen. 13, I've got Mississippi State. Um, ding, ding, ding. You know, they got beat by South Carolina, um, who you'll see coming up on my list. And uh, I just don't think this team's good. I don't think they figured out an offensive identity. I, I don't know who this team is. I'm with you. Zach Arnett, one and done as a coach. I've got Mississippi State at 13 as well. Uh, I've got the next one at 12. I've got the Florida Gators, Tuck. Um, I've got South Carolina right here. Oh boy. 12. I've got Florida a couple up. Um, I'm not completely down and out about this Florida team. Uh, they still beat Tennessee. I think you got to give them a little credit for that. Um, and South Carolina, Carolina really hasn't beat anyone other than Mississippi state. who We both have down at the bottom of this list. I like it. Florida for me. Um, Billy Napier, not very good. Florida, not good away from home. Tuck nailed it. All right, Tuck, you want to go to 11? 11, I've got Auburn. Um, nice. You know, I they got room to move up this list. I do think they played Georgia good. Um, 
but you know they just haven't come through in these big moments yet this year. Uh, so we'll see how they turn out. 11, I've got South Carolina. My quick summary, uh, outside of Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett, this is not a very good football team. All right, Tuck, you're up. Who's your 10? 10, I got Florida. Um, nice. I mean, we got two different teams, whether they're in the swamp or if they're away. So two which one are we going to get week to week? That That's what we have to see. 10, I've got Arkansas. Um, Sam Pittman, this team is not – not very good. I expected more from a team that had KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders. I thought those were going to be two of the better quarterback and running backs, and they have not lived up to the hype. Yeah, I've got them one spot up at nine. Um, I guess I'm still giving them a little credit from this LSU close call. <laughs> sure. Uh, I should probably have them lower on my list now that I'm looking at it. Truthfully, I, I don't really have much of an explanation for putting them up where I got them. All right. Uh, did you tell us who you had at 10? Who'd you have at 10? Oh, I had Florida at 10. And we talked about that. So yeah, Florida too, you're nine. All right. My nine, Auburn. Auburn's at nine. No forward pass, but I think this is still a decent football team. Played Georgia close. I was proud of Auburn. All right. Uh, you want me to go at eight? Yeah, sure. We got, I got Tennessee in there at the eight spot. Ding, ding, ding. Um, I think this is. You know, Tennessee could sneak up this list with with some big wins. That that Florida loss still has to keep them down into the middle of the ranks here. But if they can, you know, continue to run the ball like they're running, then I think we see them creep up this list. I think they're still a little underrated right now. I agree. I've got Tennessee at eight. I call this – I call them in this spot the endless middle. They're in the endless middle, but could they get to the bottom of the top? That's where they want to go. <laughs> the bottom of the top. All right, Tuck. I'll go next. Number seven for me, Missouri Tigers. I I, I think Missouri's good. They're undefeated. Um, I just I I, I just can't I, I can't put them above any of the other teams yet. Just can't do it. I've got the Tigers, but I've got the LSU Tigers. This oh team boy, two up and down, two defensively inept. Uh, and I think they're going to lose a couple more games this season because of it. Another great transition. My six LSU Tigers, back-to-back Tigers for me. LSU, no defense, no top five. It's that simple for me. Who do you and have I, at six, Chuck? At six, I've got Ole Miss sitting right above the LSU Tigers. Oh, they just boy. eked out a win barely over the LSU Tigers. Pretty much the same team. I mean, good offense, no defense. I like it. All right, Tuck, who's your five? Number five, I've got Kentucky. Ding, ding, ding. Um, I think we're going to find out way more about this Kentucky team this week. Uh, that handling of Florida, I mean, that that's an impressive victory. That, that gets you into the top five of the SEC. Tuck, I'm with you. Kentucky plays smash mouth football. So in the great words of the smash mouth lead singer from the band Smash Mouth, Kentucky, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Top five. Number five. Number four, Tuck. I'll go first. Uh, Texas A&M. I think this team's got some swagger. I like the defensive line. I like the skill positions. I like Texas A&M. 
So this was probably the biggest differential we got. And my fourth slot, I've got the Missouri Tigers. Oh, boy. I like this trio um, between the quarterback and the two wide receivers and Luther Burton. I They've got, honestly, the most impressive resume on this list of SEC teams. Uh, I think they deserve some credit. And, and, you know, until they show me anything else, I, I got to put them up here. The only thing I'll say about the resume is I know Kansas State was a top 15 win. I'm just not sure if that Kansas State team is a good football team. No, and they're probably, you know, a little overrated after one of the Big 12 last year. But yeah. it was still, I mean, it was still a good win for Missouri. It's a good win. And it's one heck of a field goal by that kicker. My gosh. That's right. Uh, I'll go to three. My three, Ole Miss. Firepower on offense. Not much of a defense. Quinshawn Judkins is back. Ole Miss at number three. My Ole Miss Rebels, Tuck. My Dang, team. you've got them up higher than I've got them, too. I had them down at six. Um, but I've got this A&M team up in the top three for me. Uh, I think that this A&M team is about to give – and spoiler alert, I got Alabama at two. So we're going to have two like versus it. three ding, this ding, coming ding. up week, and I'm excited to see who can take that slot. And, and really, I think whoever wins that game is the front runner for the West. I like it. We're aligned at we're aligned at two and one then process elimination. I've got Alabama at two. Saban ball is back. Like that Alabama defense a lot. They're starting to find their identity. Any other commentary on Alabama? No, I mean I, I like them too. Uh, I I I don't love them yet. You know, I, I, again, I I'm really if you couldn't tell because I brought it up eight hundred times. I'm Exceptionally excited for this Alabama AM game. We're playing at College Station. Alabama's favored by just two and a half. Over under 46 and a half. Oh, We're not going to have some LSU Ole Miss <laughs> BS shootout. We're going to have a knockdown, real SEC mud football. ball, yeah. SEC football, where these front sevens on the defensive side are going to battle it out. And I'm, I, I can't wait to watch it. Tuck, I'm with you. When I think about this Alabama football team, I'm I'm in like with this Alabama football team. I'm not in love with this Alabama football team. No, they still. I mean, you're gonna have to throw the ball for me to be yeah, able to. You gotta have a quarterback. I agree. I agree. Uh, my number one UGA. This one's simple. They're gonna be number one until they lose, listener. So they're gonna be number one on every list I put out until they lose. Yep, I said it two weeks ago. I'm gonna say it again. We're national champs until we lose. (laughs) You sure are. Back-to-back national champions until you lose. Until we're out of the playoff picture. We're we're still national champions. I like it. All right, Tuck. Well, great episode. Listeners, look out for some some preview. Some preview episode this week as well. But this was a good review. I like it. All right, Dan. All right, Tuck. Very good. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Big SEC Guys. We are now on Apple Podcast and Spotify Podcast. Please follow, like, subscribe, and leave a review if you've enjoyed the show. The end.